Come on in. Come on. <laughs> Come on. In. Welcome, welcome. The slow road to better. Why do we do the slow road to better? Well, we've been lucky where we can talk about it to our our friends, people here at the Stroke Comeback Center, but now then we can tell more people across the world to learn about it. What is the it that we're talking about? Aphasia. Stroke yeah. survivors. TBI people. Life moves on. Inspiration. Help listeners. That our inspiration of a bridge of hope. I love it. Trying to help each other a lifeline. Part of it also is we started doing it. It's not because we just wanted to tell everyone to see what happened to us. But also we wanted to get better talking ourselves oh, with the phaser. Sure. And we wanted to, one day, it's not going to, the phaser's not leaving it, but we'd like to crush it a little bit. Let's listen in. Listen in. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Wonderful. Good morning. Yeah. Pretty good. A lot of Seven. snow. I was gonna say, are you enjoying the snow? Uh, shoveling with it. Yeah, pain in the ass, but exactly. My white, white snow. Yeah, Kitty, well. are you doing any of the shoveling? Uh, yes, yes. I'm Regina, and I, uh, the car and its shoveling is pretty. I like it. Good. All right. Well, we have a special guest with us who's going to actually help us kick off March is Brain Injury Awareness Month. And with us today, we are very lucky to have Lethan Candlish. He's an author, an inspirational storyteller, and also a survivor of brain injury. He's recently published his book, Who Am I Now? Using Storytelling to Accept and Appreciate Self-Identity After Brain Injury. And that came out in 2020. Uh, and you can get it on Amazon, like everything else in the world. This book combines Lethan's story, research about the experience of recovery, ideas about using storytelling as a therapeutic tool, and philosophical reasoning about self-identity. So Lethan, welcome to the Slow Road to Better. Thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Where are you uh, zooming in from today? Uh, well, currently I'm in Malaysia. Uh, my home is in China, uh, but my wife and I, we went to Thailand to get married and right as the pandemic started last year and uh, China called us up and said, hey, don't come back to your jobs yet. You might, we, people are getting sick here. So we, our visas were running out in Thailand. So we jumped over to Malaysia expecting to be here a few weeks, perhaps a month. It's now been a little bit more than a year. Ooh. That oh my we've been... God. So did you like pack for a short trip and ended up staying almost a year? Yeah, we had uh, one pair of pants and some wedding clothes. And uh, it was, it was, it's been, it's been quite a journey, quite a journey. That, that must be like a record when you just- And you're done or the first, jeans and that's it right still that's that's pretty much it i i think i got one pair of one pair of shorts and a few shirts that i actually i took for that photo shoot that's on the cover of my book oh that's funny oh my God. Yeah. You, you and your new wife are getting along okay right 
Yes, we're doing, uh, we're getting along very well. It's, it's, uh, she's actually, um, because she's from Russia, she was able to work with her visa process a little bit faster and get back to China before me. So he's been back in China for about two and a half months now. And I'm still trying to navigate all the paperwork and all the waiting process, wow. which is very frustrating, but hopefully yeah, I'll be joining her again soon. That's one of the things we've actually uh, recognized that we feel very grateful for is had we been stuck with anyone else, there's no way we would have we would have survived. Had it been our parents, had it been our best friends. It's a lot. It's a lot of together, John. I know you know a little bit about the podcast and how the slow road to better works. Do you want a quick introduction from each person or do you feel like you kind of know who's who and we can jump in? What would you like? Well, I'm seeing everyone's name, but a quick introduction would be nice just to kind of get to know you guys a little bit more. Sure thing. Who wants to start? My name is Chris. Um, I got injured basically nine years ago on my motorcycle. Some guy didn't see me and ran into me and airlifted to shock trauma in Baltimore. Two months there and NRH in DC for nine months, Mm. nine or 10, basically 11 months I is are in the hospital. Doesn't matter if it's Baltimore or DC. Um, and then went to my parents' house for two years, and then I'm living on my own. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Can I ask how old were you when you when you had your injury? Uh, so at 28, nine, and so I only spoke yes, no, and yeah, five or six curse words, <laughs> were, yeah. which is perfect for the firehouse. Not with my parents and everybody else. <laughs> were those curse words, did you speak the curse words before or after your injury or both? Both. <laughs> I That's mean, blame. parents and relatives don't curse. At the firehouse, absolutely. Everything is bleep that. And But yeah, so I am now living on my own. I am driving. I am obviously speaking. Well, pleasure to meet you, Chris. Thank you no very no much. Problem. Yep. Who should we go to next? Uh, I am Kitty Tom. Uh, last year, I hit by the car in a crossroad in the hospital. But uh, I am better now. I have aphasia and aprosia, but uh, oh, I am 29 years old and 29 forever. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, by the way, Kitty, my firehouse actually saved your life. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I, I, I am grateful, you know to my doctor for my PTOT and SLP, to my fire work and just grateful to my recovery. And I am better and in the future, I will talk 
talking, 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 talking. <laughs> oh, by the way, I am Hugh Tong, Hugh Tong, Hugh. That's something from the book, right? When Lethem was talking about learning to yeah, walk again. Hill toe, hill toe. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, Kitty, thank you so very much. And thank you for bringing me in on part of this podcast. It's a mm -hmm. real pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, who should we go to next? I'll go ahead. All right, Sean. So about three and a half years ago, I had a stroke and traumatic brain injury while I was driving. I was driving very slow, thankfully. When I was out of town on my own, going to another office my place of business had. So I got in the hospital up there. I was there for three weeks. My wife came out, my kids came out, my parents came out. Um, I have some friends that live out there that came by. Came back here, was in the hospital for another three weeks in Baltimore. And then was in rehab for a couple months. And it's been good. Um, I think I made a good recovery. My job's not where I wanted to be, but hopefully it'll get back there. Um, I got my driver's license back. So hopefully things are going well. I'm gonna be 50 in November. So hopefully by then, Things will be almost close to all the way back, but who knows? Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very much. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Glad you're sharing. Thank you, Sean. Same to you. And and you know, Sean, fifty is nifty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Jim Harmon, and uh, I've been uh, stroke uh, affiliated uh, about three years now. Um, I woke up early in the morning and I felt like something was wrong with me. And I kind of fiddle around uh, about an hour and then I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to wake up my wife and tell her to take me to the hospital where there uh, they did some studies and they found out I had bleeding on the brain. And I, I really wasn't sure what that meant, but they took me from the uh, hospital there to a um, place in Alexandria and that does, that does stroke people. The guy had done twice and he still hadn't got it to to, I guess, stop the um, bleeding. So, but in the case, in, in the after case, um, I'm um, speaking, which I'm speaking better now. Um, and I lost most of my right side, my, my right arm and my right leg. Um, been just been dragging along the whole time um it's it's been a struggle it's been good though but it's been a struggle you know three years and but you know i i i feel i can do better but i gotta you know it, it, it's it, you see it more in my wife and other people who well, my wife sees me every day, so she doesn't see the things that that I have done over the period of time. Yeah, it's sometimes hard to recognize 
how much how when you see the when you see the progress happening little by little every day you don't necessarily recognize that progress is happening yeah and that's one of that's one of the hard things that makes recovery from brain injury so difficult is that it's not a big moment ta-da you're healed now it's slow long grueling work for minimal recovery little by little but you're always going forward you're always going forward and that's really good that you know that yeah, I I I know that now. Before there were some sad times, you know. Uh, I I told my wife, you know, um, I never thought I would be at this, and I I felt like I'd be stuck where I was. But now I'm I'm doing better, but I still got a long road ahead of me going up. Yeah. Well, glad you're here, Jim. Thank you very yeah. much. Yes. And Pat, I think that leaves you. I'm uh, my name's Pat Haran. I joined the army in uh, I was done with college. I joined the army in uh, 1997, and then almost 10 years later, I was hanging out in uh, Iraq, and I'd been there for a year, and uh, I had to get a, I sorry, I got a new work job as a we're going at recon, making sure the bad guy weren't sending EIDs or anything, and uh. Um, one time, one of my soldiers, because I was a, I was a uh, uh, lieutenant, so I was in charge of like 30 guys or whatever, and we were going to go downstairs and get the, some water and Gatorade and everything. So we had to go over one road and then, sorry, one house. Anyways, when I was about to go downstairs, the one guy across the street, there was two Iraqi soldiers, the good guys, and they shot at us. And the one, the one guy jumped down the stairs, and then I, I was too slow, so I got shot right through the the night vision right here, and then went into my skull, and I uh, passed out, and I don't remember anything for the next almost almost two months. It was hilarious now because we got to be happy about it because number one, I'm alive. Number two is the day I got hurt was. Uh, July seventh, two thousand seven. So that was my my lucky day, seven seven oh seven. So I, I don't do the lottery anymore because um, but uh, I was yeah, I was like, I guess I was thirty five years old when I got hurt and everything. So uh, yeah. You've heard a little bit of who's who. I'm going to turn it over to them to ask some questions. I'm gonna just enjoy the conversation. Who has a question for Lathan? In since one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. In since nine, remember after TBI, everything's changed. Uh, What is your biggest change? Oh, that's a really good question. It's hard to say what a biggest change is because there's so many big changes that happen in so many different ways. I know for me, one big change was just my entire plans for my future. I had been very focused on trying to be uh, theatrical uh, in, into the theater arts as, as an actor. And my whole, my life had been all building up from the time I was about 10 up until that point. I had been building up towards the theater arts. But then after my brain injury happened, I found I didn't have the same commitment or the same passion or the same 
skills. So that was a big thing. But then also so many of my attitudes changed. Um, I know one thing that really, that I'm, I still struggle with is, and I talk about this a little bit in the book is temper um, and how self-control, I had less of that. I also know my thought processes slowed down a little bit where I wasn't able to be quite as witty or snappy with my comments. So those are just, those, those are three big things that really stand out. Um, but then there's also things, people tell me I walk differently before my injury and after my injury and just my, uh, my, my, like my walking gait. Yeah, those three things would probably be what I say were the biggest changes. Yeah. Where Do you um, limp or have one strong leg or an strong arm? No, no, that's a good question. Um, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I had a really good uh, physical rehabilitation program. I, and I, I don't currently limp or have a stronger side uh, of right side or left side. But um, what they said was just my pace of walking, my pace and the rhythm I stepped with kind of, I walked a little bit slower and with shorter steps. And it's one of those things that I, I don't know exactly all the differences are because I don't, I don't recognize the differences as a survivor. I never paid attention to how I walked before my accident, but people observed it after my accident. I bet you, your wife will actually know. Hey, Lathan, how old were you when you had your injury? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, I was uh, 17 years old when I had my injury. Oh. And I just met, I met my wife about five, uh, I guess seven years ago now. So. And how old are you? How old am I? I am 38. Yes, 38 now. So, oh, so my injury, oh, my, my wow. injury, yeah, it's okay. about. 20 years old. Never mind. Yeah, so my, my wife doesn't have <laughs> any idea about it, but. So you, when you, when you had the, uh, you had a stroke, right? Or am I no. saying TBI? Yes, I, I had okay. TBI. I was, I was in a car accident. Okay. Uh, and and then, yeah. And then did you go to that, uh, what was, Kitty, what was the name of that place? You went to, like that, 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 the summer, right? Didn't you go for like uh, the Crumbly you... House? Is that yeah. what you're talking about, Pat? Yes. Oh, um, that yeah. was a little bit different. That was um, I, I had already uh, I had completed my official rehabilitation. I was still recovering, and I was there's still lots of parts part of me that were healing. They still are to this very day. But um, that I got involved with the Crumbly House. I became involved with when I was in graduate school. Uh, okay. And uh, I was working on my graduate degree in storytelling. And through a weird serendipity of moments, a storyteller I was uh, studying as part of my program learned about my accident. And the next day, she happened to meet the director of the Crumley House in line at the grocery store. And so she invited me to go and perform with her at the Crumley House Re Rehabilitation energy rehabilitation and living center and that began a long relationship about three year three or four year relationship that i had with the crumley house 
Very cool. So do you still have um, recovery? And it's been 20 years now. So did you recover 100% or you still have some back issues? That, that's a really good question. And that's one of the things that I, I, talk, I try to talk a little bit about in my book is that you're never, you're never really fi finished with recovery. Um, I've finished all my formal recovery time. Um, a lot of times, a lot of doctors, I've heard a lot of doctors and hospitals say there's two years of optimal recovery time after, after the injury. Mm -hmm. But I have seen things continue to get better and continue to change and some effects from the injury that I think we're kind of hanging on from the injury have continued to improve uh, mm -hmm. things like my self-control while it's not better yet and it does still hang on I think partly from the injury I have improved a lot of that through just a lot of my own meditation techniques and a lot of my own self self-awareness and really and I also know that um, doing things like working on the project of this book and just learning more about brain injury helped my own recovery a lot because I was, I'm able to understand things more and get kind of more, more of an objective view of what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And that helps me emotionally process a lot of what I lost from the, from the injury and what I gained from the injury. Mm -hmm. Since 16, uh, to lose is finite, to live is infinite. And then you use uh, since 23, you are you, you are you, and me are me, you know? So Thank you. I think you might know my book better than I do. It's, uh, you know, the number, the, the scenes. I remember that, oh, wonderful. <laughs> One of the things that struck me is just, you know, what behavior and maturity a 17-year-old boy has versus a 30-year-old man. Absolutely. Um, there's just, at 17, I mean, I would say boys and girls both, they're not fully mature, right? So all of the I mean, there are skills that we don't even expect a 17-year-old to be able to have. And then to layer a, a head injury on top of that, you know, so when you talk about, you know, fights with your parents and rage and your sister and just sort of maladaptive behaviors that you're trying to sort out, um, inappropriate behavior i mean some of that i just think well uh, well there's a 17 year old boy for you and when you lose that ability to kind of inhibit those actions it's really really hard to kind of just be naturally maturing and then layer all that on top so that was one of the things that struck me is how introspective you are looking back at a 17 year old you. Do you live on your own at all after the uh, issue? Eventually I did. Uh, well, first uh, I'll get to your question, your question just a second, Sean. I wanna respond huh? to this if I can. I wanna say th thank you for that, uh, for recognizing that. What I think was really important about my process was I think a lot of those tensions of the 17 year old boy got stagnated 
and I wasn't I wasn't able to I wasn't able to necessarily move beyond a lot of that those 17 year old instincts and I think that that's where a lot of the process where with really doing the storytelling and working with both with the Crumley House residents and then later on with with writing writing this book helped to open that up in a new way where I was able to to see those instincts that were hanging on from from my 17 year old self when I kind of got stagnated in my mature in my maturing process and look at them and kind of take them apart in a in a different way and and move 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 beyond them a little bit and Sean uh, I well, when when my accident happened I did not live alone I was living with my parents I was still a high school student yeah, you were young. And I, yeah, and I ended up staying there. It, it actually worked out very fortunately because my father is, a, a, or what, he recently retired, but he was a university professor. Mm. So I was able to begin at his university, the university where he teaches at, um, kind of part-time and kind of ease into university without diving in fully while living at my parents' house, which was literally across the street from the university. Mm. And so I stayed there, but I was also 17 years old. So I was anxious to get out of there. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wanted to be like, bye-bye, I'm, I'm going on my own. And that was one of the things I think that caused a lot of conflict was the fact I was fighting with the kind of the social expectation of you're 18, 19 years old, you should not be living with your parents anymore. And I had that, but then I also had this fact that I needed the extra support and I needed the guidance. So I was, yeah, I was kind of in and out of my parents' house. And then I finally moved out entirely on my own. Well, I finished up my undergraduate university when I was living separate from my parents. It was actually very funny because to get away from my parents, I moved further away from the, from the college campus. So I had to commute farther to get to campus just so I could live away from my parents. <laughs> That, that, that is where I began to establish myself. And did you live uh, on yeah. your own or? I lived with some friends at first and then I lived on my own for my final year and a half. Just I, four years after the issue, after the injury. I was actually more than that because I took a long, uh, I took a very- Oh, right, you went part-time. Well, I, I started off part-time and then I dropped out of university for a couple of years and I went to a different university that didn't work out. And then, so I had a very tumultuous college career. Sounds like it. What? All right, I have a question. That's a Go good time. That's a good time. <laughs> so college. did you like living with your own or with roommates or alone? Um, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I like them both for different reasons. And I were wondering when we talked this weekend, is any, are you allowed to do pot in uh, China? No, no. Um, it's, and uh, struggling with uh, addiction is something that I actually talk about at the end of the, at my book as a bonus chapter. I, I, yeah, so I just don't do it anymore. It's not even well, a question. Not just you, but I'm just saying in general. I mean, in general, it's not. Um, I've read some stories of some, uh, some expats getting in some pretty serious trouble for it. Do people just also, disappear? They, they don't disappear, but they get, uh, they get kicked out of the country pretty quick. 
But I've also known I've also known uh, some situations and there, there's some places where there was still avid pot smoking happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of underground 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 clubs. Do you do CBD? No. Okay. No, I, I I stay away from uh, pretty much all mind altering substances except for caffeine, which is just a necessity. Before I accident, I love pot. Okay. But now I don't. Why? Yeah. Uh, because a doctor, uh, is not not supposed me by pot. And I just listen. Well, I think that's uh speaking about that, and I talk a little bit about this in as as the bonus chapter of my book. I think that's really important to be aware of after brain injury, because um, I, I, I still am a strong proponent for the legalization of marijuana and for the decriminalization of it, because I think it's a huge waste of resources and for a lot of other reasons. But I think for people who have brain injury, we need to be very careful because it can become a crutch and it can become an absolutely. And there's too many things that it can have too many other effects that really do not help us in our recovery process. So I, I think it needs to be legal just because I, it's too, too, many, too many people who shouldn't go to jail, go to jail for it. And it's a waste of our national resources. Mm. But at the same time, I, I do not think people recovering from brain injury should should uh, work with should use marijuana that, that that's my own opinion they, they it's legal in some parts of the united states too because it's legal when my daughter goes to college mm -hmm. and that's good for her i guess <laughs> they told me that but you know they told me that i couldn't have a um caffeine so mm -hmm. i don't there's no more coffee there's like there's no Cokes, there's none of that because I'm I'm totally paranoid anyways now after I got hurt and I I'm, I'm do you uh, do um, tea uh, the what's it called caffeine is that the right word for tea, tea? Caf caffeine tea oh, okay sorry I but uh I love coffee not for me one, not, one well, I never liked it anyways I never really took coffee that much but uh yeah. I love tea. I love one coffee. Do you yeah. have one coffee a day, Kitty? Uh, no, sometimes I have one coffee. But large coffee is no good because just boom, 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 boom. It's a stimulant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a stimulant. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I know for me, uh, I love coffee. Um, it, it's one of my favorite things. How many cups? Do you drink a day? It depends Around. on the day. Around, Around. usually um, one to three, probably uh, two to three, probably as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's nothing. Okay. Have you Wars? seen the people in DC? They just mainline that stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's nothing. I'll I used to before I had the stroke. Our office is right across the street from a Starbucks. I spent as much there as I did on my uh, parking and everything. I think just trying to waste their money, wasting their money. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But, I'm going to get us back on topic sorry, and that. off of I coffee. Got a, I got a question. I got a question. Yes, go. Um, so when you got the... Uh, coffee? No. When you got in the injury, did you um, 
did were you taking any um shoot like a different medicine for like did you have any uh seizures at all at the very beginning i was on a seizure medicine medicine i believe um i don't remember because i was i was in a coma for five days um and i don't remember anything for about a month of time but from what I understand is most of my time in the hospital, I was on seizure medication, but when, when I left and went to outpatient rehabilitation, I believe that was when they took me off that medication. Mm. Yeah. And I, I've been very fortunate. Sometimes I've wondered if I have like seizure sort of symptoms, especially when I feel like uh, overwhelmed by emotions. I feel sometimes like my body starts twitching in weird ways. And I don't know if that's self-induced or if that's an actual seizure kind of taking me over. I, I'm not clear on that, but it's never been enough that I've actually been uh, kind of hit by that regularly. So I, I yeah. Yeah. Because I've, after I got hurt, my, the first two years I had like 15 seizures or something. And I haven't had a seizure in like, six seven years or something but uh like my wife and i were, were part of this whole um this the cure epilepsy in chicago that they're, they're trying to get rid of uh seizures they want it to go away you know mm-hmm. but they uh i didn't know this but they've they have more than 40 types of seizures now i thought it was just like maybe wow. five or six but now it's like oh they've found out what is a seizure and what isn't a seizure so yeah that's really interesting. I'll have to do some research into that because I, I don't know about that. That's that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing. Um, so do you have something else you want to write now or something new? Uh, what, say that again, Sean. I'm sorry. Did you have another book you wanted to write, like maybe a fiction book, like uh, something um, you want to write going forward? Well, I'm actually working on two projects right now, uh, kind of working on two and thinking about a third. Um, one is, uh, I, I want to write a, a story about my wife and I in our journey to get married, uh, leaving with, again, just a small backpack with some wedding clothes and a mm. pair of pants and having a year in a different country. Right. People, people will, that's like one of those things that's just like incredible. Like you can't believe that that actually happened. I know. And people won't believe it. Nobody will want to buy it. You know, read the, the story. I should yeah. say file under things you can't make up, right? The stuff <laughs> yeah. that happens in real life that you just really cannot make up. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that I'm, I've just finally gotten to the point where I'm actually starting to be able to write it um, because I've, I've hit this writer's block for a long while, while because I don't want to exaggerate the condition because I know so many people this year has been so uh, 2020 was so hard for so many people in a much more devastating way than it was for my wife and I my wife and I had a quirky series of mishaps that caused a lot of pain a lot of financial difficulty um, a lot of frustration and it wasn't easy but at the same time I know I recognize how lucky we we have been in the fact that we did have a place to stay um we were able to have enough money to survive and all, all these other things. So it's that weird kind of juxtaposition. I don't wanna 
make it a book about, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me, because I know how fortunate I have been. So that's something I'm kind of working on with that. But then I've also, um, and this, this I'm actually really excited about, and this I'm working on a little bit more diligently. I've recently made um, some uh, new friends in New Zealand uh, who I shared my book with that are really focused on looking at the process of recovery of self-identity after traumatic brain injury. And we've begun just at the very beginning stages, but we've begun to look at doing some uh, papers and some research, looking into using storytelling as a, uh, trying to get actual data on using storytelling as a tool to assist recovery after traumatic brain injury and get some, get some numbers behind it is kind of what our goal is right now. Mm. Nice. So, Good luck. So that, that's, thank you. And then I'm thinking about uh, writing a book. I'd like to write a book about how to, kind of, kind of a how-to book of suggestions, how to actually begin getting, getting your story ready to perform as a storytelling piece after, after brain injury. Because I kind of talk about the theory a lot in, the, in uh, Who Am I Now? But I don't, I don't give a clear set of steps of what, you, what can actually be done to start that process. So I'm thinking about, it might be good, I just say this, is, this, this was my process and this is how I would adjust it sort of thing. Uh, since uh, 17, God, no God, I have born in Hong Kong. I, my classes with a Catholic school in a primary school and a middle school, but now before that, in coma, after coma, I just didn't because my uh, God or Jesus or Buddhism, I just didn't know. Uh, uh, tell, tell us about that, like uh, philosophy, uh, what, is, what, a, what, is, what is your philosophy? Um, that, that's a pretty heavy question. I like that. So I just have to kind of get, get, gather my thoughts around this for a second. Uh, because I, I am, uh, my, my mind is the power people. The power people should just uh, give up my, my faith. Give up my faith. I am better now. I am not Jesus, not God, not Buddhism, but I am just uh, mindset, just power people. Uh, what do you think? I think the power of other people is probably a really good way to kind of share, to say what I believe. It's, um, and I don't mean that in giving all the power to other people, but I, I think just the, the power of support and the power of love and the power of good energy. And I, I believe that there's a communal energy that does have a real power to support people when they're going through a hard, uh, going through a difficult time. I think that can be easily labeled as God or, or Jesus or some sort of deity, but I don't personally believe in any sort of conscious deity 
uh, stepping in because I just have a lot of questions about that. But I do believe that there is a real power. It sounds kind of hokey, but like the power of love. It's yeah. It's been used to such an extent mm -hmm. that it kind of diminishes the, the idea. But I think it's like you were saying, Kitty, just the power of other people mm -hmm. saying, we're here, we want to support you, does something that is awesome, for lack of a better word. So that's what I believe. And I talk a little bit about that in my book is um, how you can label it you can label it God or you can label it Jesus. But I think the same basic energy is always the same. It's always that reaching out and supporting each other, be it through a congregation, be it through prayer, be it through just someone saying, hey, I'm here for you. Can I help you? I that know. sort of love is a power beyond words. I know, I know. It is kind, it is it is kind and generous and helpful. Mm -hmm. mm. It is love. Mm -hmm. I very much agree with that. I very much agree with that. Yeah, that's beautiful, Kitty. Thank you. So we are getting actually close to our time being over. But one of the last things I always like to ask a special guest is, what is something that we didn't ask you that you wish we would have? What I think is most important and what I think one thing that I really, I'm really trying to push for in my book is how important and how manageable it is to tell your story. And I, I speak with uh, all of you and I, I'm really inspired a lot of ways because you all can share your story. And I think that's really, really beautiful. And you all know, it uh, sounds like you have a pretty good idea, understanding of your own personal stories. But looking at how your story affects other people, I think is so very important. There's uh, looking at how other people are part of your story and how many people were a part of your recovery process and how your own recovery affects so many other people. There's your friends, there's your family, there's colleagues and I think all of that's very important to recognize and it helps your own recovery process too, because you can see how you, you can see your, your own story from different perspectives, which I think is very important in kind of coming to grips with your, with the changes in your own being and your own body. And I guess that's my thing is just how it takes a lot of work, but it's all doable work. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of research, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of dedication, but it's something that can be done and how important that, how beneficial that is to your own recovery process. I love that you talk about don't stop. You know, mm. there are days when things are gonna suck and sometimes it seems worse than it was the day before, but don't stop. And I think that's a message that I've heard over and over from the survivors on the slow road to better that you just have to keep one foot in front of the other. You just got to keep pushing. So thank you so, so much, Lathan, for your time, for um, Zooming in with us at 10 a.m. our time, which is like 11 p.m. your time. <laughs> Again, for the listeners, Lathan's book is Who Am I Now? And if you look in our comments, Facebook page, you will see Lethan and you will see the rest of the Slow Road to Better crew. 
plus the covers of his book so you know what you're looking for when you're shopping for it on Amazon. So, All right, so first, yeah. Hold on. So is it on uh, listening, like on voice, whatever? You can get it on Kindle. I have not been able to make, because I've been kind of stranded between countries, I haven't been able to do a audio recording of it yet. There you go. That's what yeah. it is. I hope to. But I don't know when exactly that'll happen. I have to get I have to get home first. And that is your voice or some other voice. When I do the audio recording, uh, having been trained as a storyteller, I hope to use my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I th I think there is a read aloud option using Kindle. Okay. Where you can get uh, a voice that you can choose the accent for or something like that. Okay. But I, I haven't I haven't done that myself. Okay. I also want to say how great it is to talk with all of you and how how much you inspire me and just how I can really I've been listening to your podcast more and more and just how much I can see you're reaching out really must be a great inspiration for many, many listeners and just what a pleasure it is to spend time with you. Much appreciated. Thank, Thank you. you. So we are going to wrap it up on this episode of our lawyers made us say this disclaimers what about disclaimers your opinion the group opinion is not valid well it is but it's valid but i'm having a disclaimer so that we don't get in trouble yes doctors doctors who's doctor There's um they they. Their doctor. Yes. All right. Yes. So if people hear something on this podcast, you should ask your doctor. Doctor. Amen. <laughs>